welcome to this first incision mini-series, Junior Doctors Foundations. Well, I'm your host today, Felicia Wong, and I'm head of Doctors Ministries at CMF and also a GP. Um, and you're listening to a um, bonus standalone episode on the topic of difficult conversations, which we've all had, of course, from time to time. And joining me to navigate this topic, this difficult topic, is John Grunel, um, Associate uh, CEO of CMF and a paediatrician. John, welcome. Hi, Felicia. Thanks. Looking forward to our difficult conversation. I am too. Um, now, of course, we want to ask... How do we respond when we are asked difficult questions around contentious issues? What does it look like to practice good medicine, engage graciously and respectfully, and yet not compromise your beliefs? We'll consider in this episode how to grow in confidence in this area as junior doctors. John, I'd love to hear from you. Why particularly is this on your heart that you wanted to talk about this? Yeah, well, thanks, Felicia. I mean, look, I've been a junior doctor for a long time now. I'm still a junior doctor. I won't reveal for exactly how long. But there are so many times over my my long years where I've had discussions with Christian juniors who've said, look, I just don't know what to say. You know, in that moment when I'm asked a question or mm. when I perhaps disagree with something, whether it's verbally or or whether it's on, on email, that I just feel like I'm, I'm frozen and I'm just not quite sure how to have that conversation. I, I don't want to break relationships. I don't want to make things awkward, you know, yes. in, in the in the mess or in the handover room. Um, and so that's just been a constant thing. And I just thought, well, it would be good just to discuss some of the principles behind doing doing that well. So I don't know if that's something that you, you've come across in your career. Uh -huh. Yes, thanks, John. You know, the thing is that I am sure that every listener um, on this podcast will think, uh, will, will immediately bring to mind um, incidents when that's happened. Um, and um, you're absolutely right. You know, we sometimes we're, we're well prepped on various things. But yet when it comes to it, we freeze. And we just think, what was, what was I meant to remember again? And, and we don't, and we almost go into another mode and are not as natural as we could be. <laughs> and of course, um, there's lots of examples about those kind yeah. of things. And I think you've got some good examples, haven't you, about some people who've recently met mentioned a variety of um, things to you so what kind yeah. of things about been a flurry of them really so i mean i i mean they, they range from very clinical things mm -hmm. to very non-clinical things so i think what we'll cover in this episode is a broad range of things uh, and some of the principles will apply in every situation and some will just apply in others so for example a junior doctor said to me look you know my gp trainer has asked me to prescribe um, some sex hormones. I think it was testosterone uh, mm. to a patient. Um, that was the first time that they'd sort of really been confronted with that. And they, and they just said to me, I just didn't quite know what to say uh, mm. in that moment. Mm. Uh, another example is, you know, I was um, asked uh, to put my preferred pronouns in my email signature. In fact, we were kind of directed to do that. Uh, yes. I know a lot of other people have as well. And people are thinking, well, I'm just not quite sure what to say and then and then most recently and i referred to this a little bit more in our conversation um mm. this wasn't quite like a, a corridor conversation i started this conversation we had some screensavers that come up on in our trust in it you know and they come across all trust computers including in my clinic when i'm seeing you know seeing kids in my clinic and uh two of them you know related to the lgbtqia plus group yes. uh, and i've got no problem with you know staff networks advertising to staff about what what they're doing absolutely fine but this was this is a public facing setting seeing young mm -hmm. children and actually the, the just the way that the screen was done the pictures on there the words on there i, I just didn't feel were appropriate for for children yeah. uh, 
to see. So I, I, I asked the question about it and I said, you know, I'm not sure about this. Um, but actually, as the, as that issue has gone on and on, one of my colleagues stopped me in the corridor um, and she said to me, so I'm, I'm glad you said something. I felt uncomfortable about this, but I didn't dare to. And so I guess that's what's got me thinking. Why did I dare to? Maybe I'm a bit of a stirrer, um, but perhaps we need to sort of talk about this and help one another be more confident in these conversations, whether it's via email or in person. That's really interesting what you said that latter bit as well. And those are great examples because, I mean, we've all come across that kind of thing and it's becoming even more so, like you said, you know, whether it's about rainbow lanyards or whether it's about, you know, speaking the truth or or hold it withholding the truth either, even. But of course, like you say, it's not just about us and how we respond. It's the fact that actually that itself is a model to others or a chance for others who feel less able to say something. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Thank you for that. Um, and then you mentioned that you've got sort of... Um, principles that would help us because sometimes we just think well where, where do we start do we need to know um you know how to how to deal with every particular issue but then you've mentioned you've got principles that help guide us in those difficult conversations um yeah, yeah. could you tell us a bit about that yeah i'm a big fan of principles because every conversation is different you know all the way yeah. through the very clinical thing through to somebody you know firing off oh you know the bible's full of errors or the bible is completely demeaning to women you know lots of things that can come up mm-hmm. in conversations like that mm-hmm. so I, i'm, I'm going to give five um what i call contextual um uh, principles that mm-hmm. things to think about before you even start conversations and then five that are a bit more practical what do i do in the moment so right let's do let's do a first first one to five then so the first is and you, we've covered this before on the junior doctors foundations it's it's do good work this is one of the licc um uh you know the six m's you know really it's about, about modeling you know modeling good work um and i think the context you're setting you want to set is to be a good worker isn't it you know you want to be known for doing a yes. good job to be committed to care for people and so that when you do maybe have a conversation or raise an issue that is a bit I don't know, seen as a bit controversial, rocking the boat, um, that actually you're somebody who who cares about them, uh, who who is constantly advocating, you know, so in my sort of job for for young people, for good outcomes. Yes. Uh, so that when I say, look, you know, actually I'm not I'm not quite sure about putting uh, personal pronouns on emails. I'm not quite sure that is the right move for for your young people or for stuff. People don't jump to this assumption that, oh, here's John off again, you know, he's a Christian bigot. But actually because hopefully there's a consistency with me doing good work that this might be in line with what I'm known for. If that makes mm. sense. Yeah, of course, of course. So really, in some ways, you're saying, well, we we want to be seen as people who um, uh, who, who people see actually care about the work that we're doing, and that we are a good colleague, and we are doing good work, and we're not just a, a slacker or someone who complains all the time. But actually, mm-hmm. that sense of who we are and how people value and appreciate us will help us when we want to speak up about something yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. and that very much leads to sort of the second one which is you know love people and assume the best of them mm-hmm. so i think we uh, you know we want to be known as uh, as christians yeah who, who genuinely love those mm-hmm. on the edge we want to care for people and so actually when the, thinking about the trans community for example yes. Christians need to be at the forefront of saying, actually, yes, it's true that there are a lot of people in the trans community who feel like they can't come forward and their health outcomes are not as good. And yes. that's a terrible thing. Um, so that's really important that we, that links to, to the first one. But we need to assume the best about people. For example, with my trust and the issue of sharing these screensavers, yes. I, the response I got, I just didn't agree with the response, um, which was, you know, talking about equality, diversity, inclusivity and that 
pride is for for everybody and then we want to make this a, a safe place for people who are lgbtqi plus to, to work so mm-hmm. rather than having a negative kind of attitude i'm assuming that people want to do to do the right thing they, they're thinking they're doing the right thing they're thinking they're supporting other people isn't it great that they believe something strongly and that they've got the they're putting the effort to do something about it and to to publicize something that is close to their heart and they want to make it a safe place for people to work often in healthcare they're wanting to do it for the right thing so assume the best about people and about their intentions and conversations always go better from there i think wow thank you for that john that is powerful and challenging um Sometimes I think that when we're really kind of zealous for getting our point across, we can forget to love, actually. And we can forget to assume the best in people because we're kind of, you know, really wanting to get our point across. So that's a really good reminder. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, Okay. So number three is, um, and this is um, from uh, a guy called Adam Grant, um, who will put put a link in the the show notes. But this is understand the power of the tribe. This is again just thinking about what am I involved with here? Who am I speaking to? And understand this isn't just somebody in isolation, that actually they're part of a tribe. And I am too. We're all we're all kind of tribalish type people. We have yeah. communities that shape our beliefs. And that includes being a, a Christian, being part of CMF. Um, and we have to think about that. And so the the logical extension of that will be if we're going to convince somebody in an intellectual argument or even in a, an argument about something to do with um with healthcare we're not just dealing with with the mind we're actually dealing with the community that they're part of so for example if if somebody who's a muslim becomes a christian this isn't just an intellectual shift this actually may change the whole of their social setting yes, yes. um so we're, we're asking for this you know this 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 big change and so mm-hmm. you know when i when i emailed about the screensaver the response that i got was what i would call a classically groupish response i've, I've mentioned already it referred you know, classically mm-hmm. to equality diversity inclusivity and um, that i could use the screensavers as an opportunity to educate children in my clinic that we're all free to be who we want to be and i think well that's very interesting but it's a very groupish tribal response it's it's, it's a certain way of thinking about you know the, the the term pride and and so on but the issue is yeah, actually a lot of kids in my clinic come from uh, certain religious backgrounds that in general don't support the concepts of mm-hmm. of Christ yes. okay now we're not sort of debating the rights or wrongs of that or, or that's not the focus of this podcast or this principle but it's just to kind of recognize that you've got different groups of people who are coming into contact and they're seeing things very very differently and there's no there was no consideration in in the email that I got that actually there is a a group of people who might think of things very differently and in fact it might be a a problem for the trust it's going to draw some some complaints um for people so we need to to understand that and so my my part of my response was to just highlight very gently i hope just to highlight that i say i love the heart behind this i love the fact that we 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 want to to do you know equality diversity and inclusivity but but actually there are other protected Mm -hmm. characteristics that aren't represented on our screensavers so can we do better can we support even more staff who have other protected characteristics to make this a more equal uh you know community to, to, to live in to, to work in to make it genuinely diverse and to make it genuinely inclusive so i think we could just understanding where people are coming from mm. recognizing the different 
tribes and, and groups that there are and then, and then really also saying look i need to be aware that i'm from a certain tribe and mm. i need to examine what i have instinctive reactions to things um and and what i'm bringing into a conversation and how i've been shaped and be ready to be self-aware in that moment I love that, John. Thank you. That's really interesting about the tribes because um, not only does it help you to see where you're coming from and, like you said, the, the characteristics we have from our tribe, but actually it helps us to remember that there are other people we're representing or actually speaking up for as well. Thank you for that example. Yeah. And, yeah. And then and then you've got um, something else that's really um, um, interesting. Yeah. So I, mean, I think number four is be a genuinely curious person. Um, and again, if if you're hoping that people, so I've met a lot of Christians who are thinking, I'm really hoping that I'm going to get a question about mm. my faith. Why are you a Christian? Why do you? Be? And you and you you think, oh, I'll be ready to kind of answer this question when it comes. And then the mm. the, the months and years go by, and you think, no one really asks me these, these questions. Yes. And I think, and I've I've that's been very much the case for me. And and, and I've had to learn that um, you know I want to be a, a genuinely curious person because if I'm expecting that other people to be curious about me then I need to be curious about other people mm. um and so and, and it's and I'm very nosy so I think a lot of us in medicine are because we're quite used to asking lots of questions Felicity you're a GP you get to ask people all sorts of questions yeah uh, and, and not nosy for our own personals but but we're, we're, we're used to being interrogative if you like yes. and it's and curious and it's good to be curious and we we, we know that's good and, and as, as a doctor to, to demonstrate curiosity so why does somebody hold that that viewpoint you know what why where have they got to that from and genuinely listening not to kind of this not to trap people or anything mm, just mm. to really say like i really want to understand where where they believe this where do you get that that evidence from why is it that you think like you do because as i say lots of people i debate with and, and have mm. conversations with have a real heart for, for justice and for things being right and i and i want to understand that think well of them and be really curious and listen carefully to what to what they're saying so yeah being being a genuinely curious person well that that's that's great because actually you're right so many of us will think oh I, i'm just waiting for questions i'm just asking but actually um curiosity also shows how much we are interested and care about the other person we want to know why they're thinking the way they do and and it's such a lovely way to actually open up relationships yeah. um yeah so thank you for that and then you've got number five what's number five on the principle? Well, yeah so my final contextual one is don't be overly confident <laughs> and mm. I think again, it's Adam Grant quote is from his book Think Again. He says, communicating your beliefs with some uncertainty signals a confident humility. It invites curiosity, and it leads to a more nuanced discussion. Mm. Okay. And so I think it's really important that now, and okay, for some of us, some backgrounds say, oh, if I'm if I'm sort of communicating with some uncertainty, that's that's I'm going to sound like I'm I don't I know what yeah. I think or that I'm not confident. And so some people will find that very, that very difficult. But I think we have to recognize that, you know, our beliefs are, are often held by sort of intuition. They're not always sort of coolly assessing these rational facts. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we see that in jo Jonathan Haidt's work on the, the, the righteous mind and talking about the elephant and the rider. Some people will be familiar with that. But the little rider on top doesn't have as much control over this big emotional elephant, if you yes. like, intuitive elephant that, that is often making decisions based on that. And so we need some some humility. And so, you know, the area of, of trans, for example, yes. um, 
we need to be really careful. And so the sort of phrase that I might use is, is something like this. You know, according to what I've I've researched so far, what I see is is this. Mm. Um, because I won't, I don't know everything about this area. And mm-hmm. and I want and I want to be willing to learn. And I think the key here is that when we're in conversations, that we want to be committed to embracing the truth. Like this is yes. about pursuing truth. It's not just about defending my viewpoint at all costs mm-hmm. and, and sometimes conversation can be like that it's just two people defending their own viewpoint you think hang on a minute guys we, we want to pursue truth and i think actually when we approach conversations in that way my experience is that your viewpoint is more likely to be uh, considered um but it's risk it's risky because you're saying like, actually i'm ready to rethink my point of view if, if new evidence emerges yes that convinces me yes. something else then i'm i'm ready to rethink that but if we're expecting that of other people we should be ready to do that ourselves so don't be overly confident and i think it's i found that incredibly helpful in my conversations that is incredibly helpful because actually we usually feel that um like it's counterintuitive in some ways like you say we 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 kind of feel like okay right we need to defend this we know where we stand on this point but actually you're absolutely right because actually it's the pursuit of truth rather than defending your viewpoint that's the important thing and we can forget that um but by actually coming with the right um because it's that non-verbal com- uh, communication people can see that you really are wanting to hear from them wanting to discuss it and to pursue the truth yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, gosh, that's uh, lots <laughs> of really great, challenging, but really useful principles in difficult conversations. I'm thinking now, if I had some of those, maybe I would have done a lot better, John, but it's never <laughs> too late. <laughs> oh, I'll take, listen, let's do a separate podcast and all the mistakes that John has made. Because <laughs> I think a lot of these things come through trial and error. Um, and, and in fact, I'm just thinking that that's when I, I, I met my wife at university was when she was having a conversation with somebody else. And uh, I, I won't go do a deep. But anyway, it was it was quite a fiery one. Uh, but actually, that led to me. I was meeting and I, I sort of came in and mediated a little bit. So, oh. hey, there's a place for difficult conversations. <laughs> um, <laughs> a beautiful story in the midst of it oh, all <laughs> thank you yes that's kind of fun. so yes yeah, so some practical pointers mm, so again there's mm. five five sort of more practical pointers right as you're in the conversation okay my, my first one would be always listen to understand and that that links back to what we've already said but listen to understand don't just listen to respond listen to understand most people in discussions i find are, are not really listening they're waiting so that they can then give their next response so true so, so we've got to to be able to listen to really understand before you try because if you try and refute what someone says before you've really considered what they're trying to say people spot that you know we've all felt that don't we, we know when people yeah are. we know so so really it's a really listen um so if you're getting to discussion about about pronouns or something listen you know it might be via an email conversation ideally face to face read you know read what they've written try and work out the reasons for what they're saying um i think if it's uh, you know around around hormones again really listen Mm -hmm. to what people are saying um and my little challenge there around around the hormones question and someone said well i don't quite understand the drugs and how many other drugs do you prescribe that you don't fully understand how they work um, and you know that there are potential side effects, but you do so because 
that is the thing that's done that's what we yes, do yes, we, we prescribe this phosphonates and we know that they can have all these side effects mm -hmm. but i'm this one and i'm prescribing because i'm told to so mm -hmm. i think i would just say you know let's be careful not to make one category of drug you know somehow completely different to others so just let's have some humility and recognize that we mm -hmm. don't always prescribe but it is good to understand what we're prescribing and why um and trying to trying to understand these things so we need to listen in the conversation but we also need to listen around the conversation and understand what's going on as best as we can great yeah thanks for that that's that, that's a lot to think about but thank you thank you yeah so listen to it so and then secondly i think is our seventh point out of ten isn't it yeah. find some point of agreement um i love conversations where I, again, I can assume in the best of people and knowing that people want to make a difference, but there is often a lot that we can affirm. Um, so I've already given an example of that. You know, I, I completely am on the same page that as an organisation, we want to make our colleagues feel that this is a safe and inclusive place to work. Yes. Absolutely, we need to be. And that there is so much that we can affirm in conversation. We could say the same around pronouns discussion. What's the reason behind that? When we understood it, we can affirm this common heart, you know, to, mm -hmm. and we can't always do that, but I think often we can affirm some, some common things that, you know, yes. there's a throw out question around, you know, um, the Bible is always, you know, demeaned women and the, the, the Christianity is taught to me. What we, what we can affirm is we can affirm that in the past, um, you know, women have been treated badly and we can mm. actually also affirm that in many Christian circles in the past and the history, there have mm. been many examples of women not being treated well, we we need to be able to find some point of agreement mm, um, mm -hmm. at times, and I think there's more than we often think. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you found that before. I mean, is that just me for this? No, no, you're absolutely right, actually. And actually, when you do have some point of agreement, it just means that you um, there's a connection in the conversation. It feels like a two way conversation as yeah. opposed to monologue. <clears throat> what we were saying about trying to defend our position um so you're absolutely right there's always some some point of agreement that you can agree on, and that makes a much more um yeah a much um more agreeable conversation mm. be able to to hear and understand and listen yeah thank you for that yeah. absolutely yeah so the, the third one here is and this is what i think this is the meaty part really is right. this ask good honest questions so ask good honest questions and i think the heart of this is is a lot of christians feel like it's all on them so yeah. we feel like you have a discussion and suddenly the burden of proof is all on you as a christian yeah. to defend your position particularly if it's a minority position yes um, but you don't have to i just want to be really clear you don't have to because oftentimes you're not the one advancing you're oftentimes it is somebody make throwing something out there or say you know saying something actually the onus is actually on the person who's saying we need to change something. We're going to do this. The onus is on actually on that person mm. to defend their position. So, so never, never feel overburdened. So the way you can do this is ask some questions. They don't have to be interrogative or, you know, difficult questions. I, I, I call them innocent questions. Right. Um, so, you know, if someone says that, you know, we're, we're in handover, and from now on, we're going to use people's preferred pronouns. You know, we're all going to say what our preferred pronouns are at the start of the day. Yeah. Um, you uh, you might just want to uh, ask ask a question about that. Um, and you might just say, oh, it's really interesting. You know, can I just ask, you know, on what, what what's changed to, to make us sort of think that way? Um, 
or you might say, oh, just just out of interest, you know, don't we tend to use pronouns when we talk about somebody, but we're here to sort of talk to one another? Mm-hmm. Or have we considered how this is made clear medically? Mm-hmm. Legally, when we're talking about, you know, in the notes of, of, of patients and so on. So th- there's lots of innocent questions that we can ask. And, and it achieves several things, because first, you, you'll, you'll learn something. Um, you know, we can't keep up with the data and the evidence on all of these things and this study and that study. Um, and that's OK. But often as junior doctors, we we are learning, aren't we? And we can say we can actually in a great position to ask questions. It's not unusual for juniors to ask questions, um, but you can go and ask. So if your trainer says, I'd like you to prescribe some testosterone, you're in a great position to say, hey, I don't know much about this. Um, yeah. You know, I, I feel a bit uncomfortable with this. It's a bit outside of my my sort of knowledge base, my experience. But what do I need to be telling the patient here? You know, what, what's your understanding of, of the side effects? Just like you might do with another drug that you don't feel competent with, but ask ask questions and, and you'll learn something. So is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I love that. And, you know, um, uh, one of the things that might be difficult for people, of course, especially, um, well, as a junior doctor, when you're just busy running around doing things, is kind of even to be able to stop and to think, what do, what is what question can I ask? What question should I ask? Because sometimes we're just doing things um, because we just we've got this list to tick off how do you think one could develop that ability to just ask good questions or to be curious even because I think that's something that if we're not naturally either good at or we naturally don't think about we we don't even know how to begin sometimes any any tips on that or yeah, thoughts? that's a great it's a great question I mean I, th- I think something it's just going in and, and and thinking what well, what does come into my mind at that moment you know I'm feeling uncomfortable yeah yeah. Why am I feeling uncomfortable now? Is it because of some some bias or some some groupish thinking that I need to sort of think through? Maybe. Um, is it because there's actually something behind this that I've I've read or that I'm aware of? And then and then being able to verbalise that. Now you might not be able to do that right in that moment, but being bold enough to ask somebody after that handover. Mm, um, mm. And That's just really even, helpful. yeah, even in even in a small setting, just to search. I'm, I want to ask a question about this. I want to understand. And don't worry if you you don't have to feel like you're, I don't know, you're you're, you're less you're lesser for doing that. It's it's good to have yes. that, that humility. I think. Yeah. So we, we can we can learn something from you know from these these questions, right. but sometimes they can also expose an an argument that is lacking. And we don't want to be we want to be careful about this because no one likes to be embarrassed, particularly publicly. So actually one to one is often better. Mm. Um, but you can actually if, so, so if someone says throws out, you know, the Bible's been changed so many times. Um, a, a very simple just a couple of stock questions that you can have is. So oh, well, how did you come to that conclusion? And that's a very powerful question because yes. you're actually asking somebody to expand on what on what they've said yes. or be a bit more direct or say you know that's really interesting could you give me a couple of examples yeah Um, and and that's that's because when people say oh yeah there's lots of you know let's say suicide and trans you know oh if we if we don't affirm young people then you know then you know people would like to commit suicide for example um what you can say is oh oh wow i mean that that sounds awful could you you know could you tell me where you got that data from yeah yeah. Um, so very kind of simple questions because the burden is on the other person to explain what they mean, particularly if the big, broad, sweeping statement has has happened, or someone says, "Oh, you know, if we don't use people's personal pronouns, it will lead to this." So very, very, just very simply and kindly, just mm. say, be really interesting. And now, if they do come back with, you know, with a 
with a really clear argument and list you 10 papers, then actually you might learn something and you can go away and think, oh, it's great. Yeah. Thanks very much. And if they come and say, what do you think? And you think, I just haven't got a clue. You just say, I'm not sure, but I appreciate what you told me. I'll go and think about it. Um, so, yeah, you might expose the argument as well as uh, as learning something by asking good questions. Yes. And that brings us back to what there's some things that you said earlier, which is basically that quite often we think the burden of proof is on us or that we're the ones to have to advance or have all the right answers before we can. And so I think that sometimes um, kind of um, stops us um, and hinders us from actually even engaging conversation, thinking, oh, I don't know all the answers or, you know, what what happens if they say this? But actually asking good questions helps to bring that dialogue and helps us to not feel we've got to have all the answers. So, yeah, thank you for that. Can I just give two, two more that I found really helpful? Now, this is, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a book by Greg Kugel called Tactics, which is really helpful on this kind of thing as well. Two other little phrases that, and I've put these into practice and I've just practiced them over the years. One is this, have you considered? And that that is a very soft often way of, of mm. introducing an objection that you, you may have. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what I used in my email about, um, uh, about these um, screensavers was this have you considered the possible unintended consequences mm. you know which might be uh complaints for example yeah uh, or, uh, have you considered that you know the rse curriculum you know says that these what, what what we're showing on our screen shouldn't be taught to children below year four but in my clinic i've got children from the age of zero yeah. zero upwards you know have you considered what what that might mean or, right. Um, or, you know, with preferred pronouns, you have you considered that that actually may feel may make a number of people feel uncomfortable or excluded? Mm, um, yes. The other way. Yes. So, and let, let's talk about that. So that, that's one. Way. Have you considered? And another one is, can you help me understand? Right. So that is a really, again, a really, you know, a really nice way. So can you can you help me understand that a little bit more? Um, mm, mm. And that's again a very disarming question, and you're you're asking for clarification. Um, you're you're kind of rec- you're you're just being open. You say, "Look, I don't, I just don't quite understand why we're doing this. Could could you help me out here?" Yes, yeah, that is really yes, because it's coming from a position of humility, but seeking to understand really. But you're right, disarming. Yes, yeah, it, it is. And sometimes we get into conversations where you know, I just say where people move things along. I think so. You know, if you, sometimes you ask that, and then so let me say, you know. Can you give me some examples of how the Bible, you know, demeans means yes. women? Um, I, I was I had I had that debate a few months ago, and and the response didn't come back. But they they moved and said, "Well, the Bible's just been, you know, there's it, it, loads of errors in the Bible anyway. So why would I even want to consider it in the first place?" And I think sometimes it's okay to just politely but firmly just push back a little bit and say, "Look, you know, you've you've made you know quite a big statement about what the Bible says about women," um, and I asked you kind of a question about it but actually before we you know you, we've now moved on to a new topic before we move to a new topic would it be okay if we finish the first one mm. because i'd love to just to, to get some clarity and for you to help me understand more of what you mean because that's a really big claim we're talking about nice. half the world's population and the world's biggest religion here so let's let's kind of get a bit more specific if that's okay yes. we can just push people calmly and gently a little bit to yeah to just open up a bit more on what they're actually saying. Mm, mm. 
Yeah, great. So that, was, that, that was a big one, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that really was. Yeah, but but good, really good. I mean, I've got to look, look through these, and um, we're going to put the resources and the links as well because it sounds like there's some really good um, sort of just uh, the more we think about this and talk about those examples and all the good examples of questions you could ask. I love those ones that you have. You know, um, have you considered? Can you help me understand? You're right. So easy to to use and opens up conversations immediately. Yeah, I think then I mean, so that then, then the, the fourth one of these practical ones and very briefly is there are times when we do need to um, apply some knowledge mm-hmm. uh, and we do need to know something. So we can ask these questions as much as we like. And but uh, there are times when to be more confident yes. um, in things we, we need to know. And not. So, for example, if someone says and this has happened to me very recently, clearly we have to affirm children and young people and their trans identities because they will commit suicide if we don't. Okay, that's a really big statement. It's a very loaded mm-hmm. statement. Um, and, and I've got the confidence to say that I have gone away and looked at the evidence on suicide rates and on minority stress. And, and I can acknowledge and I can I can find points of agreement that, yes, the mental health data for trans teens is very distressing. Mm-hmm. I think it's a real emergency in our time. I think it's something that we've got to focus on. And I, I, I love the fact that somebody's, you know, is distressed about that and wants to do something about it. but there isn't the evidence to suggest that not affirming leads to suicide. Okay. Mm-hmm. At best, we've got mixed data. The CAS review, you know, interim report notes that social transitioning is a significant step down a path with transition and that, and that that's not being recommended. You know, as doctors, I think we should be practicing evidence-based medicine and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. There, there are definitely things that we can go away. Right. I can't know everything. But there are times when it is important to you know, to go and be convincing yourself, if, if, particularly if it's a really big thing and you think, you know, this is this is something I'm grappling with. It's one question. I'm yes. going to go away and skill up a bit on this area and present, yes. Yes. present my view and apply some knowledge to this situation because it's so important. Not all of us are called to every area to do that. Yeah. There are some areas that we're involved in where we may need to go away. And so I need to really skill up on that whether it's around mm. beginning of life, end of life. Mm-hmm. And CMF have got resources to help us do that. I mean, that's why CMF, big reason why CMF are here, isn't it? To, yeah, absolutely. To, to, to equip people. Equip us. Yes, and also there'll be, we will know with our um, uh, with our colleagues and friends that there'll be particular conversations or topics that they keep coming back to. So it makes sense definitely to say, okay, let me actually make sure that I know about this kind of, um, uh, you know, apply the knowledge to this particular area because these conversations that keep coming up again and again. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. Thank you. And, and then finally, I'll say as, as, as I finish really is, yeah. is to keep, keep the goal in mind because we're not here to like try and be clever and win arguments um but actually we want to introduce people to jesus christ because we believe that he is the logos he is the word of god that he is truth that he is true wisdom mm-hmm. um and you know we, we want to debate and ask questions and and to listen well but actually we need to have confidence as well that the christian faith has got robust answers that do align with good medicine um, and we want to be praying for people as we speak. We want to recognise that, that that blindness to spiritual things is is a real thing, and that we can have all the right arguments and but still not not see somebody, you know, won over to to trust in Jesus Christ. Um, yes. And as Christian medics, we want to practice good medicine. We want to skill up on on listening and on learning, asking questions. We want to work on our characters. We want to be humble, truth seekers. 
But we want to say, Lord, would you be in my conversations? Would you help me to be gracious? Would you help me to see where, you know, perhaps there's an area of, of blindness, of unbelief, of hardness that that I can just speak a word in season to? Would you give me those words? Um, and so kind of cloaking all of what we've said is actually we want to go and, and um, introduce people to Christ. And we want to we want to be influences that mean that the, the vulnerable are protected, that our patients are g- genuinely protected because mm-hmm. we believe that God's way is is the best way for, yes. for his, his creatures. Yeah. Well, that's that's great. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, to to keep Jesus the main thing, because that's actually where we're ultimately heading. Thank you for that. Well, that's um, that's great stuff, John. Um, uh, there's a lot to to be challenged on to think through but actually really good equipping as well to think well how do we even begin to have those conversations because we all have them um and i'd like to kind of to say have you considered that perhaps you might want to do more podcasts as we think through this some more <laughs> um but uh thank you again for joining me um I'll put the link to the wonderful resources that you shared in the show notes. Um, and of course, uh, for those who have been listening today, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, leave us a review. Let us know what was helpful to you. You know, we'd love to hear how that's really equipped you. And thank you again, John, um, for uh, imparting your wisdom and uh, bringing us um, such uh, good examples and equipping us uh, to, with the difficult conversations that we all face. So that's it for now. Bye for now. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you.